You are listening to a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. CCEF is committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and many more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Welcome to CCEF On The Go. I'm your host, Alastair Groves. I'm on faculty here at CCEF. Today, I'm talking with Julie Lowe, my fellow faculty member at CCEF. Julie, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Julie, I have a um, uh, sort of weighty topic I'd like for us to discuss here today, which is the, the topic of sexual assault. And um, that obviously could be a four-hour conversation yeah. uh, just to yeah. get us started. And, and there's a million things there. I'd kind of like to narrow it in um, for this particular conversation like this. Um, there is, uh, ob- I'm, you have said this, I'm, I'm picking up on your words here that I've heard of, there's just a huge number of emotions that swirl around in someone who's experienced sexual assault. And I'd love to even zoom in particularly on sort of the, the immediate kind of aftermath. I mean, obviously there's there can be very long-term lasting impacts of these sorts of things, especially um, if that's something that happened to you as a, as a child. But um, I shouldn't even say especially. It, it is a long-term process no matter right. what. Right. Um, but but can we think for a little bit here just about what, what are ways to think about helping people in the sort of more short-term aftermath of experiencing sexual assault, sexual violation, um, and, and especially thinking about just the emotional impact that that has in the short run. I know it's something you've been thinking about, so I'd be curious to hear sort of initial reflections. Yeah, yeah. So as we talk this through, there's kind of, there's so much we can say. This, So even understanding that we won't do the subject justice in one podcast, but to say it strikes me that as people in ministry, um, one of the things we miss is the complexity of emotions that victimized people experience and our tendency is to react to the emotion whether it's good or bad rather Mm -hmm. than maybe having a deeper level of understanding that um, it can fluctuate so let me think of I can give you an example so an example might be an abuse victim who has spent years not talking about it for fear of not being believed for actually not being believed for um, for multitude of reasons that the anxiety and the fear um, have driven them, and then all of a sudden, somebody does believe them, or all of a sudden, they're telling their story, they're being heard and listened to, and that anxiety turns to anger. And a lot of times, it's you or I who's walking alongside them that might feel that anger. Sure. And then we get upset because we think, why are they getting angry? But for the first time, they've had the freedom to be angry about the injustice of their situation, but it was so masked under anxiety and fear of even being believed. And so you see this host of emotion come out once they do start talking through a victimization, whether it's a rape or abuse or a tragic event that they've never been able to speak of. Um, it's like the, the closet door has been open and yeah. out come all the emotions. And my fear as Christians is sometimes we unwittingly respond to negative emotions in negative ways. Um, And we don't uh, do well being able to hold somebody's anger and see that underneath it's really a lot of pain. And it doesn't mean we can't speak into things or challenge people. 
but I'm slow to do that. Yeah, you're not you're not going to start with, "Hey, whoa, I'm hearing a lot of anger towards this person." Like, are you? Right. I think you're struggling with bitterness, and you need to repent. You're going to start right. with, which which even if that is absolutely true and needs to be said at some point, you're going to start with, "I I'm so sorry that this has happened to you." Right. Like, I'm so glad you're telling me. Like, what, um, what right. has been the impact of this? Like, help me understand your world. Right. Um, That's a perfect example because I think we are really quick when we see bitterness or anger, what we see as sinful tendencies in people to jump on that. Right. It's easier because it feels like a fix, right? right. I can right. I can do something about your, your sin, which is tell you it's wrong and push you to stop it because that's right here in front of me in a way where I can't do anything about your pain. Right. I can't stop your suffering. I can't change it. I can't fix you. And as a, as a would-be helper, that's a very uncomfortable situation to be in. Right. And it's one where we have to do the hard work of saying, okay, Lord, it's not my job to fix. Um, it's my job to love. Yeah. Um, and, and love often means walking with someone in their pain, yeah. hearing their pain, and saying, I, I agree with you, and I feel with you the wrongness of what has happened, and I mourn with you the loss. You know, that Romans twelve fifteen mourn with those who mourn. Um, and the problem is we miss that that might be really a sign of mourning, not a sign right, of a, right. a bitter person that needs to be confronted and, right. um, you know, a rebellious person. Right. And I think we tend to misread those situations sometimes instead of saying, this person doesn't present as weak and faint-hearted. Yeah. Uh, they present as angry and bitter, but they really are weak and faint-hearted. It's, yeah. it's flowing out of a host of fears of... Um, for multiple reasons of being not believed or understood or living yeah. so long with those fears and now all of a sudden the freedom to express yeah. them. And so that's where I wish we were just much more quick to listen and to love well and to be thoughtful, <clears throat> not afraid to speak into people's lives. But our first need isn't to confront, it's to yeah. understand and to love as Christ calls us to love yeah. that person. Yeah. Julie, let me let me slightly just change our scenario that we're thinking about here. Let's um, let's zoom in. Okay, a nineteen-year-old college sophomore um, at college, and maybe she went to a fraternity party and had some stuff to drink, and ended up in a situation she didn't want to be in, or maybe she didn't have anything to do, and she was just walking across campus late at night, or you know, some kind of situation. You're, you're in. You're, you're talking about a nineteen-year-old, and thankfully. Um, uh, she talks about it to a friend the next morning. She calls home in tears. You know, you're you're catching this situation. You find out about it within 72 hours, um, and you're a mom or you're a counselor or you're a friend. Like, what what what's? There's got to be a million things going through your mind when someone you love has just had an experience like that. Um, what what are the first things going through your mind? What what are the first things to keep in mind? as you're trying to help someone in, the, in that sort of immediate aftermath. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, and I, I, I love specifics because I'm such a practical person to say what, what is their need in the moment to be understood, to feel compassion, to not feel judgment or condemnation that sure. they put themselves in that position. Right. You shouldn't uh, have been drinking or this wouldn't have happened to you. Right, that's right. That's the, the focus of our conversation. Right. The thoughtless things people say that even when there's truth to them, it's just wrongly spoken um, or the timing's all wrong. And it... Mm -hmm. It never excuses mistreatment of a person. Um, our own failure, mistakes, foolish decisions right. never 
never mean that it's our fault. Right. My sin doesn't make this. your sin okay. Your right. sin doesn't make my sin okay. Right. And so there might be a time or place, and most victims might wrestle with those things on their own, and you're no going to want to help them process it. But immediately, you want to make sure they're getting the help. They're they're talking about it. They're... Um, there's the practical help of what do they need from getting to a hospital to somebody walking alongside them to meet with a detective to mm. um, to whether they'll have to go to court, to whether they're strong enough to go to court, to what are the counseling resources, yeah. to people that have a hard time sleeping or being alone. Huh. And so am I huh. willing to be a presence in the middle of the night for somebody that is sure. afraid of being by themselves? Yeah, sure, you can come sleep in my dorm room for the week. Like, just, right. just come. Right, you know? so thinking very thoughtfully about huh. what is this person struggling with. And some people... Um, yeah, we're just all different, right? So we can all go through the same hard thing, but respond differently, which yeah. is why we got to be thoughtful to knowing the person in front of us and see how they're struggling. And then there should just be the very practical, of course, this person needs to be heard and understood, and they need to get resources, and they need to talk this through, they need to not stuff it and say they're okay. Um, so I'm looking for the warning signs when somebody seems unscathed by yeah. such a horrific event. And making sure we're checking in and saying, are you really okay? Have you talked yeah. this through? Um, and would it be fair to say that the reason someone would tend to stuff it, not talk about it, say I'm okay, I, I would think off the cuff that those that it would tend to be, A, a sense of deep shame. I don't want, like, I don't want to um, be associated with this. I feel awful because of dirty, you know, filthy violated and, and and to talk about it actually exacerbates that feeling and then a closely related um i'm trying not to think about it i'm trying to go on with life as normal i'm trying to not let it impact my life yeah. and so if i don't think about it it has less impact if i can kind of power through yeah i would think those would be the right right, right. It's survival the, or self-protective that i just want to pretend it didn't happen as you and I know, that that doesn't work very well in the long term. Because yeah, it's not true. It did happen. Right. You have been harmed. Right. And it's like pretending you don't have a broken leg uh, that, you know, right. you, can, you can shoot up a lot of pain meds and you may even be able to like limp around with a cane, but a broken leg is a broken leg. Right. You got to set it. Right. And I can't help but think if I don't speak of it, it's naming the silences as Ed likes to talk about mm -hmm. or speaking of that which feels unspeakable. And there's something very comforting when people around me can put words that maybe I can't, that feels too unsafe or scary or painful to bring up myself, but letting somebody else even speak those words for me. Um, but if I'm unwilling to speak those words, then how much, how can that not affect my relationship with the Lord? How can, mm -hmm. how can I trust in a God who sees my suffering mm -hmm. if I'm not acknowledging my suffering? Um, so I would think... Uh, I would think there's natural connections to how much I'm going to be able to be open and vulnerable uh, with the Lord if there are things I'm just saying I can't deal with it, I can't talk sure. about it. Sure. You know, it, that's an incredibly good and simple, I would almost say obvious point, but it's, it, it wasn't where my mind was going. I love that. Just um, when something violates you, it has... It is, the word violates even captures nicely that yeah. sense of this wasn't just a bad thing that happened. This is not just right. unfortunate. This isn't just like, oh, I've lost something. It's there's something so it's not the the injury is not external, it's internal. Mm -hmm. It's I some my my defenses, my natural uh realm of of safety has been um broken into. 
you know, people talk about it when, they, when their when their home has been broken into, and the idea of yeah. just somebody, even even if you didn't lose that much of material value, to have like that person was in our room, you know, just that a that sense of sense safety, of, yeah, you just violation, that yeah. ugh, feeling yeah. is 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 obviously never more extreme than with sexual violation, and and yeah. so to be able to say um, to God. This is what I'm dealing with. This is where I'm at. To be able to run with those feelings, those overwhelming, unspeakable, can't quite put words on it kinds of things is so crucial. And if you if you are trying to hide from the feelings, which makes perfect sense to me, I would want to hide from them. Sure, I mean, just yeah. of course you are. But oh, just that, um, the loss of um, the Lord's embrace, the Lord's presence, the Lord's walking with you through the the evils you've experienced in this broken sinful fallen world that is full of evils yeah um that that is a huge huge loss and i love you highlighting that if you if you run from the emotion you're you're you will not be able to help but run from the lord on some level yeah you need him more now than ever yeah so what does that mean for you and i when we're walking alongside somebody i think it means we're not afraid to speak the unspeakable on their behalf yeah Um, And to name it as really, really ugly. And to call it evil or violation. I think you're right, right, because there's a minimization even sometimes of the language we use. Um, So understanding, we want to name it accurately. Um, And we want to express the heart of God in somebody's suffering. And so that's where we're just emulating uh, who God is for the person when they struggle. And then I think um, even just a simple thought of saying they're not always going to express themselves well. When the emotion does come out, it can look sure. in lots of different ways, and some might even be offensive to me. Sure. But can I can I graciously understand where it's coming from and walk alongside them? And there will be a time to speak into that. The time is not often immediate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what does it look like to love um, to love in ways that are persevering and right. faithful and non-judgmental? Right. And and I I've found uh, David Pallison's um, book on sanctification really helpful in terms of just thinking about okay, uh, sanctification and ministry is always um, balancing and unbalancing things because mm, the ministry yeah. priority of the moment has to matter. And so yeah. when someone has been raped, um, the ministry priority, the big problem in the room is that someone has been raped, not that that person is responding to that. Um, in a overly emotional or underly emotional, like mm. keep the main thing, the main thing and helps one walk it out and, and respond right. to it. You know, there's, there's going to be, you know, I, I think, I think implicit in the way you and I are talking about it, even as we keep saying, and over time you'll do this. And maybe later that, like, this is not, you step in once in the 72 hours and then you step out and you hope they're good. This is, you walk alongside someone over time. You recognize this is going to have lingering impacts and you say, I want to be somebody who is, in your life, knowing this is going to impact you, knowing we don't know how this is going to impact you yeah. in the first month, the first year, you know, just I'm in and in the immediate goings, I'm going to say the big thing here is that something wrong was done to you. Yeah. And yeah. I want you to be crystal clear that that is how God sees this. And I, I, I don't, that does, again, it doesn't mean I don't care if you respond to that badly. If you go out and start shooting up heroin to try to numb the pain, that's a really big problem. Right. It's We're dangerous. Not be silent you know, to it's, that. it's not as if it's like, oh, well, eventually two years down the road, we'll get you out of rehab. It's like, no, no, no. You, you, you care deeply about how someone responds, but, um, but keep keeping the clarity of in ministry, I'm going to say what happened to you is evil. And, that is the thing that is the most important in this situation. 
um, to, to grapple with and help you with. Um, yeah. Recognizing, again, there's, there's going to be other ways I'm going to need to protect you from yourself in the aftermath right. of this. Right. And that's just being wise and understanding the needs right. of the moment, right? right? And how far too often we lead with the wrong things. Right. We, uh, we want to go right to correcting and fixing instead right. of understanding there's, there's a season of compassion and sensitivity. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a process. Yeah. And a hard process because, as we said earlier, it's, it's one where you don't want the discomfort of not being able to help someone. And so, again, that for me, it's just that Romans 12, 15, mourn with those who mourn line is so mm. vital in a situation like this. This person is going to be mourning in a lot of complex ways for a long time. Yeah. Be willing to love them enough to mourn with them, which will feel utterly powerless to you. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, you're sharing the powerlessness of what they experienced, and, and you're going to walk that out with them. Yeah. And it's going to be uncomfortable for you your discomfort, your bearing that discomfort is actually part of loving the other person. Yeah, and isn't it neat to see how God sanctifies us in that right. too? Right. And it's not our time frame. We don't set the time frame for how long people are allowed to mourn or not. Mm. Amen. Julie, will you just pray uh, over those who are, who are listening, who have either been through this experience or are trying to walk with sure. others? Sure, yeah, let's pray. Lord, for those who are listening, who have experienced such heinous acts, Lord, would you comfort them? Mm. Would they, they hear words of comfort? Would they yes. know that you, you meet them in those moments and you have deep compassion and love for them? And Lord, for those of us who, who want to walk alongside people well and love them and speak into their life, would you give us tremendous persevering love and wisdom? Would would be see the needs of the moment and really reach people well for you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to suggest a further resource on the topic of sexual assault. Although it's not exactly on the topic of sexual assault, it's an article by David Pallison called I'll Never Get Over It, Help for the Aggrieved. And while, as I just said, it's not specific to sexual assault, um, and it's probably not, in fact, definitely not the kind of resource you'd want to hand someone within that, you know, 72 hours of immediate aftermath that we talked about in the second half of the podcast, but it's an article that does two things really well. First, it sets a framework for thinking about and and dealing with the aftermath of being horrifically sinned against. and secondly, not, not just setting a framework, but it gives nine very practical questions at the end of the article that a person can ask himself or herself as they try to wrestle through, okay, how is this incident still impacting my life? What, what is this doing to me? How am I responding to it uh, in an effort to help you grow and, and change? You can find that posted for free uh, till our next episode goes up. It's at ccef.org slash podcast. And as always, we welcome questions uh, by email. You can email us at podcast at ccef.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Until next time, blessings.